Welcome to What the Friday, an After Dark series presented by mystery, murder, and magic. Listener discretion is advised. Good evening and welcome to this week's episode of What the Friday. We talk a lot about unsolved crimes on this show, but the one I'm talking about tonight is one that pulls at my heartstrings. Not that I haven't been affected by all the others on the show. There's just something about this one, though. 20-year-old Angela Hammond was this sweet, outgoing young woman who loved pretty much everyone, and everyone loved her. She lived in Clinton, Missouri, and that area is a quiet area. Not a whole lot of crime there. But that security bubble that the people felt that they lived in in Clinton was popped the night that Angela disappeared. Angela was engaged to a guy named Rob Schaefer, and she was also four months pregnant. On April 4, 1991, the couple went to a cookout together. When it was over, Angela dropped Rob off at his mom's house, and before he got out of the car, she told him that she would call him in a little while. That was around 10 p.m. that night. Rob and Angela had plans to meet up again later that night because Rob had to watch his younger brother until their mom got home. A couple of hours later, the phone rang at Rob's house, and it was Angela. She was calling from a payphone only seven blocks from his house. She was telling Rob about this truck that was circling around the area where she was at on the payphone. She wasn't too worried about it until it stopped right by the phone booth and the man got out. Rob says that while he was still talking to Angela, the man from the truck used the payphone next to her and then got back into his truck. Once the man was back in his truck, Angela said that it looked like he was looking at something with a flashlight. Angela asked the man if he needed to use the payphone. She was thinking maybe that the phone that he had tried to use was out of service, but he told her no, and then he would try to make his phone call again later. Rob and Angela continued talking about nothing in particular, but then all of a sudden, Angela lets out this bone-chilling scream. And then the line went dead. Well, Rob immediately dropped the phone and drove up to the street that Angela was at, or to the area that she was at. Because, like I said, this was only seven blocks from where Rob was at. Now, just as Rob approached the payphone, a pickup truck sped past him going in the opposite direction and as it passed Rob heard Angela screaming for him he turned around and followed the truck through town but sadly he was only able to chase the truck for about two miles because the transmission in his car went out when he had thrown it into reverse to turn around and as his car stalled he saw the truck take a right turn and the taillights faded into the distance now, can you imagine the heartbreak and terror that Rob felt as that truck sped away with his, his girlfriend, the mother of his child, in it? 
I'm sure helplessness was also one of those feelings that he was feeling. And you know, that was before there was cell phones, or there was cell phones, but it wasn't like it is today. And back then, not everybody had cell phones, because like I said, Angelo was calling him from a, a payphone. So they weren't widely used back in that time. Now, Rob was able to give a description of the truck to the police. It was an older model, two-tone green truck with a mural of a fish stretching across the back windshield of the truck. You would think that back windshield would be an obvious sign for a truck, you know, because there's not going to be every truck that has that on it. So you wouldn't think it would be so hard to find. And even the Missouri State Highway Patrol gave their assistance in the search for the truck by providing 1,600 possible matches of registered vehicles in the state that matched the physical description of it. But out of those 1,600 possibilities, not a single one of them were a match. That's a lot of trucks. And not one single one of them matched the one they were looking for. The news of Angela's abduction spread quickly through the little town that they lived in, and it shocked the residents, to say the very least. Authorities and citizens alike were searching for Angela. Helicopters were also called in, but there was just no clue to be found about Angela's kidnapping or where she had been taken. Now, like in so many cases, though, and even though Rob had provided everything that was known about her disappearance, he became a prime suspect. Now, Angela's mom, she knew that he couldn't have had anything to do with it whatsoever, but within a week, he was cleared of it. Soon, police realized that Angela's case may possibly connect, be connected to two other unsolved cases that had happened within a 100 miles of the area. About two and a half months before Angela was abducted, 42-year-old Trudy Darby was working alone at the K&D convenience store, and that was in Max Creek, Missouri. As she was getting ready to close the store for the night, she noticed a strange man lurking around outside the store, so she called her son to tell him about it. Her son drove up to the store, but when he arrived, which was like only 10 minutes later, no one was there at the store. His mom had just completely vanished in just that little short time that it took him to drive there. And then sadly, two days later, her remains were found 10 miles from the convenience store on a riverbank after someone who lived in that area reported that they had heard gunshots and found blood and blonde hair in the road near that river. She had been shot twice in the head, and her autopsy results also showed that she had been raped. Then about a month after Trudy was murdered, 30-year-old Cheryl Ann Kenny was also working in a convenience store and she was reported missing. Cheryl had disappeared from Nevada, Missouri, which is about 70 miles from where Trudy's body had been located, and Cheryl was never seen again. Once detectives linked these cases, they began investigating the idea that there was a serial killer on the loose in their area. Other than what Rob had told them, they really didn't have much to go on. Now, Angela did give Rob a description of the man that had gotten out of the truck while they were still on the phone that night. 
She described him as a dirty man with a beard wearing overalls and glasses. Two witnesses said they had seen a man with a similar description sitting in a truck near the payphones the night that Angela disappeared. So who was this guy? Police released a composite sketch that was supposed to be based on the description that Rob had given the person of interest. But, oddly, that sketch doesn't show any facial hair or the glasses. And when the police were asked about that lack of facial hair, they said that they felt that the man was wearing a fake beard and glasses that night. No other sketches of the man was released. Now, as in Cheryl Kenny's case, no one has ever been arrested for Angela's disappearance, and she's never been found. A couple of years later, it was found that Trudy's case was not related at all to Angela's. Between 1992 and 1993, a man named Jesse Rush was living with family, and he started confessing to family about his and his half-brother Marvin Cheney's involvement in the abduction, rape, and murder of Trudy. Then Rush decided to confess their involvement to a neighbor, and fortunately, that neighbor took the confession seriously enough and contacted authorities. In 1994, Rush was finally arrested, and during his interrogation, he confessed that he was involved in what had happened to Trudy, and he also implicated his half-brother, Marvin. Now, this is what the two men told authorities that happened that the night Trudy disappeared, and it was so horrific, y'all. They say that they entered the store the night of January 1991 to rob it. After that, they abducted Trudy and then drove her to a barn where they repeatedly raped and beat her. Before driving away from the barn, they shot Trudy once in the head, but once they got to the river with her, they realized that she was still alive, so they shot her again before they threw her body into the river. Jesse Rush and Marvin Cheney were convicted of first-degree murder and kidnapping and are serving a life sentence in prison with no chance of parole. With Cheryl Ann Kenny, her time card from the convenience store that she worked at shows that she punched out at 10 o'clock. That store normally closes at midnight, but it had been slow that night, so I guess maybe she just decided to close up early. And after that, there's no trace of her. The janitor at the store left before Cheryl, and that person has said that when he left, there were no customers' cars in the parking lot. But there had been a male customer in the car in the store, though, and it wasn't uncommon to have people just, you know, walk in because there was hotels and motels near that convenience store, so some would walk from the hotels, you know, to make their purchases. But that janitor said he didn't recognize the man that was in there when he left, and he's never been identified. So it's known—it's not known if he was involved in Cheryl's disappearance. So witnesses say that they heard screams, though, in the area of where Cheryl was parked around the time she would have been getting into her car. But those witnesses didn't immediately go to police right away. They actually didn't tell police until news was circulating that Cheryl was missing. At one point in the investigation, investigators thought that maybe Cheryl had left willingly because 
she had been very upset over the recent death of her mom. But then everybody that knew her said there was no way she would abandon her husband and kids and her father who was sick. Plus, she only had about $6 to her name on the night that she disappeared. It's been almost 31 years since Angela Hammond disappeared. On the 30th anniversary of Angela's disappearance, new information emerged in the case. The Clinton Police Department made an announcement that a narcotics informant had received a letter that was postmarked April 4, 1991, the date of Angela's abduction. That letter stated that they knew who he was, talking about the informant, and people like him deserve what they get. They went on to say that they knew where the informant's daughter was and that she would see them soon. They closed the letter by saying to tell his wife that she had their deepest sympathy in her future loss. The informant's daughter just happened to be named Angela. She and her mother lived in Clinton, Missouri at that time. Authorities believe that they possibly mistook Angela Hammond for the informant's daughter. It's a little bit of a stretch, but police aren't ruling out that possibility. Also around that time, police also received a phone call, and the caller said that they have information on Angela's kidnapping. And they also mentioned specific details of that letter, but the case still remains unsolved. Angela is described as standing between 4 foot 11 and 5 feet tall, weighing 120 pounds. She also has dark blonde hair and brown eyes. If you know any little detail about any of this case, you're asked to call the Clinton, Missouri Police Department at 660-885-5561. And I'm going to have that number in the episode description today. Thank y'all for joining me for What the Friday. Be sure to join me again in the morning for the Weekend Weird Files. Have a good night.